Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, fitness for real people, with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. On today's episode, Gabrielle interviews Andrea Robinson. You may have woken up with her for many years as one of the Fox 10 Arizona morning show anchors. We discuss her decision to leave the show, her health, her fitness, dealing with self-image, and most importantly, her You Do You journal. And now here's your host, personal trainer and stretch therapist, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness Rural People. I'm your host, Gabby Mazar. And on today's episode, I have a very special guest. You may know her from the uh, morning news. She used to wake you up every morning. And she has recently retired from that and is going on to new ventures. So welcome, Andrea Robinson. I'm so glad to have you here today. I am so honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Super, super duper excited. This is such an honor to have you here. Um, We've known each other for many years. A while. And it started actually from fitness. Mm -hmm. So our history started when we used to work out together. And I wanted to start this conversation talking about your fitness, how it's evolved, and kind of where you are now with your fitness level and how that's all changed over the years. Well, I think, and you know this because you've been in this industry for a really long time, um, everybody has an evolution and a journey into fitness reasons. Absolutely. And I feel like it ebbs and flows as the years go on. But I will say from the very beginning, I was not a fitness person. I was not into sports growing up. I mean, I danced and cheered in high school and things like that. I'm not saying that that's not a sport or athletic, but I never saw myself as athletic at all. In fact, I still have the fondest memory of, we used to have something in, I think it was the third or fourth grade. It was called the Turkey Trot and it was around Thanksgiving (laughs) and you would run laps and I hated running. I hated getting sweaty. And my mom, I remember telling me the story that I ran with my head down because I didn't want to mess up my hair. (laughs) So if that gives you any indication as to where I started, uh, yeah, fitness was not in my blood. And it's funny because my mom, she was uh, very much into sports. She wasn't into like working out on a daily basis, but she played competitive softball growing up. And um, but I just never was in it. So really, all through high school, the only fitness I did was cheer and dance and whatever went along with that. But right, it which is very physical. Eh, but <laughs> my, my version of it wasn't physical. The, today's day and age, what they do is crazy. Like, I probably wouldn't have measured up at all. Um, but then through, through college, I was not into it at all. I never went to a gym. I never worked out. In fact, I remember my first, one of our first dates, my now husband, and I went, um, you know, here we're in Tempe, a mountain. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really a mountain. It's a, it's a bump. <laughs> yeah, but it goes straight up. Um, sort of, yeah. sort of. Um, but I could not make it up a mountain. Like I still can vision. Uh, we, there's a picture of me and I'm kind of like slumped over, like smiling. <laughs> and he's like up higher having taken the picture. And it's just so like looking back, it's so reminiscent because I was just in a place where that wasn't important to me, right? Mm-hmm. And I, growing up, was never like super skinny. I was never super fit, but I never had like a big weight problem. But I definitely remember, I still remember the this day in, in high school and we were swimming 
Yes, we had to swim in high school. And we had to put a bathing suit on. And I was in a one-piece. We all had to wear one-pieces. And a stupid kid made a remark about how I looked different than the other girls because my 14-year-old body was a little bit, like, my belly was a little bigger. I was a little bigger than some of the other skinny girls that hadn't really sprouted. And that stuck with me. And so it definitely was always in my head that mm, I maybe could work on myself, the outside appearance, but it was always for very vain aesthetic reasons. And I remember in college, I never, like I said, didn't work out, but I ate in weird ways to restrict things. Then I would overeat and then I'd go back to restricting. And it was just this stupid, awful game I played with myself. And I know a lot, lot, lot of people, a lot of women especially, can really relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure for many of us, it's a battle every day, even still. I, I think now where I am, I'm in a place of much healthier mind. Um, and you know, my body's healthier, but again, like I said, it's been an ebb and a flow. So, you know, college, nothing. And then I started getting into working out sort of after college, I got this job on TV, mm-hmm. uh, right out of college. And so I worked out and that's when we met, right. um, we worked out with a personal trainer and I pushed myself more than I had ever before because I never really worked out. Um, And I remember at that time, it was like leading up to my wedding, I had lost a significant amount of weight and people noticed. And when people notice things like that, for me, the way my mind works is now I have to keep this up because if I gain weight, they're going to notice that too. And now I'm on TV. So that adds another layer of, holy crap. Like people watching you, people judging you, people opinions and all of that. And this was really before social media was a had a big presence in our lives, um, which makes me feel so old and dated. But it really wasn't (laughs) even a thing then. It was like MySpace, and nobody even did MySpace then. And so that journey continued, and I continued to you know work out in that that regard. And then I had my first baby. And, you know, I did like everything, like every other mom. I, you know, got back to sort of a pre-baby weight. My body looked different, but I felt okay. I I still had that mind game I played with myself of I can't eat that or I ate too much today and tomorrow I have to eat less. And then I um, had my second baby. And I remember then, you know, Everyone said, like, the second one, it gets a little harder to take it off. So my fitness journey changed. I, I switched up completely. At the time, you and I were working out, and then I had this second baby, and some friends of ours opened a CrossFit gym. Right. Which was way more than I had ever done ever in my life. <laughs> a lot different than – I mean, we were weightlifting. Yeah, yeah. But a very different modality than totally. traditional weightlifting. Totally. Yeah. But mm-hmm. my husband really enjoyed CrossFit. He loved CrossFit before CrossFit was like a thing. Mm-hmm. And so when they opened it, you know, we, of course, it was by our house too. So we supported them. And then we realized that the community around CrossFit is what makes you come back for more. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, just like – when we would work out together, it was kind of crummy when you were by yourself, but yeah. when you were with somebody else, right. that accountability felt good. And it helped, too, that you were working out with your partner. Exactly. You know, you're, exactly. you're you with your... Exactly. You together. And, and you, because your schedules were very, very different. Yes. You're waking up, waking up at 2, 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. And then your husband, being a firefighter, he's gone days out of the week. So you're not getting this opportunity to be together, and now it's giving you... Not only a positive yeah. thing together, but time together. Time together, exactly. Right. exactly. And, you know, when you get to that point of life where 
extra things happen, kids and things like that, you have to make it a priority yep. and you have to schedule it. So we really got into CrossFit and still to this day, so that was almost seven years ago, We still, I still CrossFit probably three to four days a week. But I think along that journey, I was introduced to the paleo lifestyle which I adopted pretty quickly because after having a baby, I just felt like I needed some parameters. Mm -hmm. And that was easy for me. And I look back and that was a point in my life where food didn't consume me. The thoughts of eating too much or too little didn't consume me. And I liked the way my body responded to it. Mm -hmm. Fast forward from there, probably three years ago, I got into, again, still doing CrossFit. I started, um, I started running, which running was really never my thing, especially long distance. Yeah. But like everyone always says, like once you start running, like you kind of get hit with this. A bug. It, it is a bug. <laughs> it is. And then you can't turn it off. And it doesn't matter if you're fast or slow. It's just like you kind of crave that. So I added that in. But along the way, then I, of course, I think that a lot of us love a goal and we keep chasing it and I got caught up in chasing perfection as a goal and in every aspect of my life career but especially the way I looked because TV again playing such an important part of my life um, I had to look I mean I I had to look a certain way in my own head no one ever said you have to look this way you right. have to no one ever said that but in my head I felt that so I took you know my diet to a different level and I explored you know macro counting and all of that and of course your body responds like that but what it did for my head wasn't good for me right and I got really obsessive and really controlled by it and it took me a good two years to pull away from that I mean my body I look back and I was like whoa like you know talk about a comparison game I look back then I'm like I don't look like that really anymore I'm definitely probably 10 pounds heavier but I was just I was obsessed with the scale I was obsessed with making sure everything I ate was to a T and it became more about how much I could eat how much how I could fit that Tetris game instead of what kind of quality I could eat right and, and so it's, I, it's really that mental space that that screws with you and some people don't have that problem right. which I commend because it became such a problem for me I just had to I had to stop so I literally it's like Every counter on my phone, everything was gone. The, the food scale went away. I had to stop. And I had to trust myself again like I did when I had started looking at paleo as a lifestyle. And so what happens is your body, I think, naturally levels out. But what it did for me is it got me now to a place. And I'd say within the last year to two has really been a freeing place for me mentally. And, you know, my body has changed. But my workouts, I still, it's still ingrained in me that I, w I want to move my body. Now, I've left the mentality of I have to be the best at the gym. I have to try the hardest because my best today might be different than her best or his best. Like, I just have to show up and do it. Yes. So I've learned that scaling a workout, there's nothing wrong with that. I've learned that running a half marathon just to run it is in and of itself an accomplishment. And if I don't beat a time, or if I don't run my fastest, I'm not a failure. But it took all of that to get me to the place of like, okay, if I'm going to do this forever, I can't count my food forever, and I can't work out like I'm going to the CrossFit yeah. Games forever. It has to just be a consistent lifestyle. It does. And not necessarily, f you know, focusing in on just your food, just your workouts, and this is so important. And I think, you know, being on television – 
for so many years, a lot of that is magnified. The good is magnified and the bad is magnified. And I know that you even shared today, you shared with me years ago, and you shared today on your social media, how people can be so mean and negative and point out, I think there was one time when you were pregnant and someone said, you you know, oh, you look really fat. Yeah. I'm and like, it's yeah, like, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. <laughs> like, oh, or they, and they t- said how disgusting it was yeah. that you could be on television pregnant. being pregnant and fat. Mm-hmm. And it's shocking because... You want to not take that on and not feel that way, but people do make these comments and it still hits you and it still hurts. Totally. And it's like, I think that, um, I think early on in my career, I did. I took it for truth and I let that negativity sit on my heart way too long. And the bad thing was, is yes, people were mean and people would say things, but when you measured and balanced out, like there were way more good than bad, but it's just the bad that rings so loud. Sticks with you. And it's so heavy and so loud, and it's hard to tune it out, especially as I was in that position at a younger age. Mm -hmm. And those opinions weighed a lot, and then it, it made me, question myself. It made me look at myself. Well, am I fat or am I not doing enough or am I not showing up in the best way I can? Or I would, the times that I would catch a glimpse of myself, you know, we are our own worst critics. I get that. But we don't have to be the meanest to ourselves. You know, we can push ourselves to be better in a kind, loving way instead of mean girl ourselves every day. But I mean girled myself. And I think that's what got me to a place of pushing to be perfect all the time and I got to a point of burnout and exhaustion and taking on those opinions of others and all of those things they did they got they got to me and I got better as more of those were hurled towards me I got better but I didn't get better until I started working on myself right from the inside out and I started letting go of the expectations I have, because I'm like, some of the expectations I placed on myself, I think were really just to appease other people. Oh, absolutely. Or to hopefully ward off what the naysayers or the people hiding behind their computer with tons of computer <laughs> courage would say to me, you know? I mean, I, can, I, I, I realize I cannot please all of these people. No. And either I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm not this, I'm not that, and it's like, I don't even know what I am or what I like now. like. And so now I'm at a place where, okay, so I, I'm not the leanest I've ever been, but I am definitely in one of the most happiest places I've ever been because I know that I'm grateful every morning I can wake up and if I decide to CrossFit that day, if I decide to run three miles, I can do that. And I know that forever, for the rest of my life, I cannot live my life by weighing and worrying about every morsel of food. I have to just be open-minded and make good decisions. Like, I know if I feed myself crap, I'm going to feel like crap. Yes. So that's enough now for me to say, don't do it again. Don't do that. Stop and it. And <laughs> let's, let's do less of that the next day. Yeah. But I used to beat myself up, and then I'd restrict myself. And like I said, it was just an ugly cycle. And that's, again, something that a lot of people can relate to. And I really try to focus with people and with clients that come to me that – If you have a piece of cake or if you go out and have drinks, it is not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that you have to go down this rabbit hole of hating yourself and shaming yourself and guilting yourself. Exactly. It is okay to do those things. It's it's not okay to try and be perfect all the time because, like you said, you get into that place in your mind 
where it really starts to affect you mm-hmm. mentally that starts to affect you physically as well. Exactly. Yeah. And I and it, it just takes work to pull I, I and I'm no not saying we shouldn't strive to be healthier and to be better and to, you know, set a goal, um, whether it be a fitness goal or something like that. Sure. Absolutely. I am all for that. I'm not saying like, but I'm also preaching to myself that I have to learn to accept where I am in every season. But also really for me, I can't chase perfection yeah. because it is a race that is never, ever ending. Never. It will never end. Yeah. Um, so speaking of goals, I know one of your goals when we knew each other years ago after you had kids was to be able to wake up in the morning and spend time with your kids, to take them to school. And now that you have left the you know TV realm and that early morning, you have now started on all these other endeavors and obviously spending time with your kids. And I see on your Instagram all the time you're posting <laughs> about your kids. And it's adorable. But I want you to tell me, now that you have time to go into other things, what are some positive things that you've been doing in your life starting all these other businesses? So, um, and it's funny that you said that because... Now that you say that, I do remember we've had those conversations because I always looked at my TV job as nothing is forever, right? Yeah. Like nothing is forever. And I didn't realize when I started having a family um, how much harder a schedule like that would become. And it wasn't really apparent until they started getting older. When they were babies, it was a little bit more doable. I mean, they didn't have anything to do outside of mm-hmm. sleep and eat and whatever <laughs> right. else. And so now they're six and almost nine. And so they have like little lives that they're starting to build and they have things they want to do. And that requires me to be there for them or to take them to those places. Mm-hmm. And so getting to that decision was so hard after, you know, 14 years. But over the last couple of years with this sort of whole evolution of, you know, me and, and just working on myself, I just knew where the priority shift had to happen. And it was. I always knew, like, and I know there's moms out there that it the, that morning routine is mundane and it's like they fight in the morning, you have to make lunches, and I get it because now I'm doing it and it is. But I wanted that so bad. I wanted a little bit more of that routine. I don't want to. I didn't want to miss a morning anymore. I didn't want to have somebody else waking them up. So when I left in September, I honestly had no plan. I just knew I needed to walk into the next chapter because I wasn't leaving something and walking into something new. I was leaving something that I loved and I and I enjoyed for the time I had, but I was walking into a season I had no idea how it was going to ride out. Yeah. And so my husband, who doesn't like me to sit long and not because he doesn't want me to do anything, it's because he knows how my mind works and he knows that if he doesn't lovingly, like, remind me that I'm capable of other things, then he knows that I get into a bad headspace. Mm -hmm. So he was just always supportive of, he. I mean, he was always supportive of this next season. He knew our family needed it. But I don't know, a couple months into it, he was like, well, what is it that, you know, you know, you, you want to do, like you, you have a way of connecting with people. And it was something that I knew I was going to miss the viewers and the, the connections I've made. I mean, what I built when I left there were connections with people, and I think I only did that by pouring into them and connecting with them outside of just being on their TV every morning. Right. And so at the time, I, I say I use that two-year mark because it was about two years when a lot of the shift in me happened and that 
I, I feel like there's seasons in our lives where we just kind of stay good with where we are. And then all of a sudden we feel this need to like grow personally. And that was when I had to start changing some things. Uh, and again, that fitness mind, that food mind ch- shift started to happen. And I always say, I'm not ashamed to say I started in with a little therapy because a therapist is a godsend when yep. you need somebody. I 100% agree. So there's no shame in that. Um, but I had also been gifted a journal from one of my dearest, dearest friends. And at the time I was like, I'm too busy to journal. Like, sorry, sister. You know, I wake up at 2.30. But sort of simultaneously as this was happening and she gave me that, Chris, my husband, I didn't know this, but had this really great morning routine that he had started. But I'm never home in the morning, right. so I didn't know. So he was doing, um, I was home one morning from work and I noticed what he was doing. I came downstairs and he's like in a bathrobe and he has a journal. So I asked him about it. And he was like, it's this morning routine and a lot of successful people have morning routines. And he's like, and I, and I always notice him as he's like the even keeled person of our family. He's very patient. He's just a way better person than I am, but he was even more of that. And a lot of that, I think I credit this morning routine. So he talked about the journal part of it. And so I knew my girlfriend, sweet friend, Amanda had gifted me one. It sat on the nightstand. I was like, I don't want him to grow without me. I mean, that was really the competitiveness <laughs> in me right. sparked. And so the very next day, because I think he said something like, because I threw out that, well, I don't have enough time for that. He's like, oh, really? Well, Oprah, I mean, she's got 24 hours in a day. <laughs> so anytime you throw something like that out, right? right? So the very next day, you know, I'm still working everything. I started this journal and it was a gratitude journal and it was simple. It was a guided journal. There was an end portion to it every night that I never did. And I don't know about you, but I don't know about anyone out there that's listening. Um, if you don't finish something that you that you feel like you should have, you have that feeling of like, I didn't do enough mm-hmm. today. I failed. And I didn't like that. So again, fast forward, I've just left work and we're talking. And, and so this idea of me making my own journal came up. And so that's what sparked it. So I thought, well, I could make a journal that I feel like would fit my needs better and maybe somebody else too. So I created it, got a lovely designer here locally, uh, Melissa, she's amazing. And she and I designed the cover and then I knew exactly what I wanted it to look like inside, the prompts I wanted and the, I had quotes that I, I mean, I'm like, if you look at my phone, I probably have more quotes than I do pictures (laughs) of my kids. It's just kind of my love language and, I, I selfishly minister to myself when I put those things out. But um, so we created it and we didn't know how to put a book together. So we went to a print on demand service online and we, we did it that way to begin. And I had ordered so many copies to give to close friends to see if it was a, something that they even liked. They used it for a little while. And then my husband, who is a great driving force in my life, was like, well, you just have to do it. Just put it out there. Yep. You'll never know unless you do it. You have to just do it. Just do it. Otherwise, it never happens. Yep. And I say this. I've lived by this. Eleanor Roosevelt said, do one thing every day that scares you. I was like, well, here I am. Put myself out there. (laughs) And And (laughs) I leave TV and then I'm doing this. And people are going to be like, what in the heck is she doing now? But they have responded. They have. So well. And I think that that's such a positive thing because... Like you said, you know, you get in this in this mental place mm-hmm. and journaling has helped you. Oh. And you want to bring that to other people. And that's the thing is I'm like, I know I'm not alone in this. No. I know I'm not like this late 30-something-year-old mom, woman, 
you know, whether you're married, not married, like we all are a lot more alike than we are different. And we all have a lot of the same fears. And when I start saying them out loud is when people come forward and they're like, oh my gosh, that's my brain too. And I'm like, yeah, it's all of ours. But we're too afraid to talk about it because we're afraid of what the other women will think. We're afraid to show who we really are because we want to be liked and loved and we want people to come to our life. But we harness all of that in and we don't show it off because we're just afraid. Right. And at the end of the day, if we do show it off, then that's... You'd realize how much more people (laughs) are in the same situation as you. So when we launched it in January, we knew, though, it couldn't just be a journal. There had to be a community within it. So we have this private Facebook group. So when you, you buy a journal, you opt into this private Facebook, our journal squad of sisters. And... It is like nothing I've ever been a part of before. Now, men can buy this journal too. So men can buy it, but it's really not men. Geared towards. Geared towards them. I mean, I would buy it for your wife or your girlfriend or your sister. Um, And the the group is really just women only because, trust me, men, you don't want to be a part of that group. You you don't want to know our crazy. Um, But let your your girls be a part of it because they they need this group. And it's like... The, the, it's it's encouragement. It's it's just amazing women that are raw, real, vulnerable. And the thing is, is it's like a relationship that started totally opposite how normal friendship relationships start. Like normally you meet someone and you're like, you test them out, you vet them a while before you ever share anything, right? Like mm-hmm. loyalty, trust, all that stuff. It takes a while. But for some reason, and I think it's because people in this group, they know they're safe. They know that... These people aren't going to attack me for saying what I feel or sharing my true heart or what I'm going through. I mean, some of the things that we share are heavy, hard, but it's easy when you know you're not alone. Right. And so that's the constant thing that I keep seeing. And I think as women, we just crave connection and we crave some sort of authentic friendship. And probably because at one time we thought we had it and we were burned or we were, there was some sort of you know, something that, that caused us to feel that we our loyalty and our trust was broken mm-hmm. by somebody else, by ourselves, whatever it might be. Or like you in your swimsuit being told. Exactly. That that you didn't look good. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so all of these women have this, they're on their own journey of personally becoming better. And what does that look like? It's different for everybody. But when you're doing it alongside of other people, I think there's plenty of people out there that are like, here, do what I'm doing, come do. But there's not enough people out there that are saying, let's walk alongside each other. Mm -hmm. And maybe somebody's a little ahead of that part of the journey than you are and you get to learn from them or maybe somebody is a little further behind and just needs somebody to come up alongside and or say, maybe somebody's been through the exact same exactly. thing that you have and they have or you are going and through now they have a connection exactly and so we have this community of hundreds of women now and we started when we very first well we started in march every month we have a journal meetup mm-hmm. and we just take over a coffee shop so i find a coffee shop that kind of is okay with us coming in we buy coffee and treats for everyone women show up and i remember when i first did it again i'm like i'm doing this super scared because how embarrassing if nobody shows up but i was like no cuz if one person shows up then i was supposed to do it and so more than one person showed up and we had 
honest, vulnerable conversation. Women got up, they were crying, there was th- there were happy tears. But the goal is that these women find somebody within the group that they'd never met before, because most of them have never met face-to-face, mm-hmm. and they leave with a new friend. And what's great is since then, we've seen these women, like now I get to see their pictures that they you know post in our group, and two of them having coffee and breakfast here and... I mean, they're connecting. Mm-hmm. They're forming real friendships based on what a meetup, a meetup from a journal, from a journal. Yeah. So the journal's the tool that binds us together, but it's the women that make it special. So tell me, you just did an event, yeah. recently. Tell me all about that, and you're going to be doing more of those. Yeah. Okay. So okay, that came about my uh, dearest friend Amanda. So she's the one that gifted me a journal a couple of years ago, and she has been just a guiding force in my life in in so many ways. And um, she's the friendship I never knew I needed and I never, ever want to know life without now. So we met again through, well, look at all of our friends, how we meet through fitness. You and I met through (laughs) fitness. She and I met through the CrossFit gym. And her husband and her and her two kids have become like family to our our family. Um, We just connect on so many levels. But back in September, it was literally, I think, a week after I had been done with work. And we were out for a run. We always say we solve the world's problems and come up with the best ideas, running or drinking wine. <laughs> I mean, that's real. So I don't run, so I'm not coming up with any ideas okay. on that. But maybe at Pilates. Well, I was going to say, while you're doing some sort of fitness, you do. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we were out for a run, and we were talking about this vision we both shared, that we wanted us, we wanted something for women to come together a day where it was, you know, a beautiful lunch. It was real women that were working on themselves, wanting to be better to themselves so that they could be better in life and to the relationships that they're connected to. And what does that look like? And we're like, it's got to be real. Everything, it's a real kept coming up. So the name was born that day before we ever had an event, all the real things. And we just said we're going to do it. And so we knew we wanted it to be outside with some sort of fitness component, but then some sort of um, learning component. So we kicked off our very first one in April, April 20th, and we hosted 100 plus, it was a little over 100 women. They came, we did a very light yoga session, you know, and people were scared. You know, women were like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm going to a home, I don't know where it's at, with women I've never met except for the internet. So literally I'm saying yes to a stranger on the internet because I don't know any of you. But they did it afraid and they did, they they walked past their fear and what they found was like, holy crap, there is a world out there that I'm missing out on with myself, but with women too. And we had a beautiful lunch. We had three wonderful um, sessions of learning. We talked about friendship and what it requires to find that real, honest, authentic friendship. And it requires you showing up and putting aside the things that you're afraid to do in a friendship. You know, Amanda talked a lot about vulnerability. I could never have those friendships because I wasn't vulnerable. I never wanted to share what I was really going for. You know, I said, well, I am a recovering people pleaser. And a lot of my friendships I had were surface level because I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be loved. So I pleased all the people, hoping that they would come to my table and stay there when I needed them to. And that doesn't happen. Yeah. And so we talked honestly about that. She talked about her story, which is beautiful and caring and honest, and um, her place of struggle 
with food and with body image and really just what it looked like to get out of that. And again, where did it start? It started with working on the inside. Mm-hmm. And she gave some really wonderful practical tools that we should have in our toolbox uh, to be able to do the work. And then I talked about that busy is best mindset that we adopt and we think it's best and it's not. And how do you move away from that and create a little space in your life, you know, through journaling, but through just some consistent practices mm-hmm. so that you don't have to run this race and have to be like everybody else because everybody else is probably thinking the same thing. The exact but they're same keeping thing. up. <laughs> Because you're doing that and she's doing that and they feel like they have to do that. And they're just running themselves into the ground. Exactly. Yeah. So it was uh, great. We're going to do another one. We're going to do two a year. So we'll do one in November as well. Awesome. Um, So I I wanted to kind of touch on something you said about being a people pleaser because I'm not a people pleaser, I don't think. I don't know. Good for you. Maybe everybody listening to this is going to be like. a lot of work to get out of it. (laughs) But it's funny you say that because I've always kind of looked up to you, even though we're the same age. (laughs) I've always looked up to you because you're so driven and positive and happy. And and even though, you know, you have this struggle, you still try to portray that to everybody else. And you've always been kind of an idol to me. And I know that's kind of silly. But um, (laughs) – but really, I, I see all the things that you go out there and you just do it. And for me, being on video or being in photos or like being this presence on social media is so super hard. I really have to push myself to do that because it's way out of my comfort zone. So I've always looked up to you, you know, and I've been on, I was on yeah. your show a few times. Yes. And that was, it was really difficult to me. And you're like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Just, just talk and they'll guide I'm like, okay, whatever. (laughs) And total honesty here, the few shows that I'd been on, I never watched. I never watched because I didn't want to see myself. Mm -hmm. And that's my own being my own worst critic. Mm -hmm. Um, but but I think it's it's just kind of funny to to touch on that and to say those things because I I absolutely one hundred percent relate to all these things that other women relate to. It's it's very difficult because you look at yourself and you see all the imperfections. It's I think it's human nature. Yeah. And I think that a lot of us have mixed up confidence versus arrogance. And so sometimes we're afraid to find our confidence. We're afraid to find that self esteem that that place of feeling worthy and that we actually love ourselves because we don't want to mistake it for arrogance. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to be, you know, that one (laughs) that thinks so full of themselves. But we can't miss this because they're two completely different things. And so what we've done is we have completely disregarded any bit of good that we have because we're afraid. One, I think we're afraid to shine. And we are afraid to step into our own light. And there have been plenty of times where, you know, I'm I'm afraid to do that too because I'm still fearful of what will they think, what will they say. Um, and like you, you know, you, I look at you, you, you lead and you guide and you help women and, and men too, but you help them come into a place of confidence, you know, you take them from a place of, I can't move my body to yes, you can and look at you now mm-hmm. and, a, and a place of freedom. 
of breaking you know down barriers in their head of perfection and all of those things and yet to hear you say that I'm sure even for some of your clients is like what but that's <laughs> but see that's what I love that's honest yeah and I think that when you lead and you're in a position to lead because that's what you've been called to do I think the biggest disservice you can do to people that are coming up alongside of you or you're guiding or you're walking next to is to put it out there that you have it all figured out and that you don't struggle because I learn the most from people that are have struggled but are strong enough to admit their struggle and then show how they're getting past it Mm -hmm. because I don't want somebody up there that is stone perfect knows all the things because if that's the case then what am I going to learn from them I'm just going to feel less than yep I want somebody to say, oh, my gosh, like, I needed an adult timeout today, and I got in my bed. I mean, I literally told my gr- the girls that the other day in the squad because we get in on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I do love rant Thursdays. And so I was like, I missed yesterday. You know why? Because I just couldn't – I couldn't do anything. I, yep. was, I was just stuck. And I don't know. I just – I feel like if I can be honest, then – maybe they feel strength inside of them that they can be honest to. Hopefully. So I love that. I think that the strongest people I know are the ones that will share their struggle with the world. And sharing your struggle, it, it, it really, it makes you a person. Yes. It makes you real, like all the real things. Yeah. It makes you relatable because I am certainly not perfect. I mean, and I, I know my imperfections, but those are my own, and nobody else sees those, and nobody else sees that I feel those, and and it's okay to feel those. It's mm-hmm. okay to feel that way, but you know, like with your journal and like with all of your positive posts, those are things that you have to work on mentally to get yourself into a better place mentally, physically, in your relationships, in your world, and be comfortable with that. You can't move forward unless you learn how to become self-aware. Right. And self-aware might be the greatest gift that you can give yourself. But it's really hard. And it's hard for people that have felt they've had to live up to an image. And then when you have to be self-aware and, and say, like, I don't know all the things and I am not perfect. And I struggle with this or I struggle, you know, loving hard to love people or I struggle with, you know, keeping up this facade that I put up on social media that is like life is roses and butterflies. And and yes, am I positive and do I look for roses and butterflies every day? Yes, of course, because nobody wants to sit and hear a negative Nancy. But what you they want is they want to hear that your head isn't always perfect. It's not always my mind gets messy. And when it gets messy, this is how I'm working through it. And your fitness isn't always perfect. And your diet isn't always perfect. And your relationship isn't always perfect. And your kids aren't always perfect. Exactly. I mean, it's... That's what I that's what I want to see from people and that's what I think social media that's the greatest disservice we can do with social media yep. is make it all picture perfect pretty and quaffed kids and perfectly filtered life and do I love pretty pictures and I love an IG filter of course I mean <laughs> hello instant smooth forehead thank you very much <laughs> love that I literally just talked to my boyfriend yesterday about botox he's I, like get out. I'm like, it, it's okay. <laughs> Tell him he doesn't know and it's fine. Botox is fine. I mean, if you want to do that again, <laughs> living, you do you. You do you. Okay. Exactly. But I think that com- with all of those things comes honesty. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, I love social media because I love the connection that it has kept with people. And I love that it's brought 
meet people in my life that I never would have known otherwise, I just get irritated sometimes that like we give it so much weight and we play that comparison game just because we saw a picture. Well, I want what I want to do is open up their camera roll. I'll show you mine. You show me yours. Oh, show Lord. me the eighteen awful pictures no, that you. it took to get that one. <laughs> you want to see my, my double seven chins? chins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like when I open up my phone and I look down and I scare myself out of my seat because I have yeah yep. seven chins. Yes, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I have like if I checked the bags under my eyes. I would pay extra baggage fees at the airport, like dark circles, bags, don't wash my hair enough. But then, of course, like I'm not saying show up like that all the time. I'm saying you can show up like that and then you can go make yourself feel good if you want and put your fake eyelashes on like I got on today. Do those things, but just don't forget that we all start out. We all wake up the same. We all have terrible morning breath. We're all like just puffy faces sleep sheets on our you know lines on our face and all of that like we're all the same yeah but we try to like act like we're so different right well thank you so much for coming on today it it means the world to me that you're here because we haven't seen each other in so long and i just love what you're doing i love your positivity and just where you're going with everything in your life. And I really wanted to share that with my listeners. And so if you're interested in the You Do You journal, go buy it. Go buy it. Go buy it now. She's on Instagram. She's on Facebook. You can watch her stories. You can see all her posts and keep an eye out for the next event and the next journal meetup. And yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for just asking me to be here and be a part of your, your listeners and I, it's it's a great honor. It really is. Thank you. I'm so glad you were here. So um, thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People, with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. If you'd like more information on today's interview, you can find them in the show notes, or you can find them on Gabrielle's website at www.healthybodyworksaz.com. Be sure to share the show, give this podcast a review, and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Join us next week to hear more stories of people just like you. This has been the Fit Minute Podcast with Gabrielle Mazar.